Good morning. I'm Mike Winhart, for those that don't know me. I've been attending Soapstone now for 17 years. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, but I've been blessed this morning with the, the, the honor of delivering the message. Uh, but before I do, I, I do want to open in prayer. So let's bow. Lord God, again, thank you for today. Thank you for all the many gifts and blessings. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that it would not be my words, but your words, and that we would all learn something from this. In Jesus' name, amen. So on the screen, you see a picture that was taken a few years back, and that picture is my father hanging from a buoy, trying to stay afloat on Lake Erie, and you can see that our boat is sinking. Um, and growing up in Ohio near the lake, we spent many weekends on the lake, and I have many great memories of our time on the boat. One of the things that my dad always taught us was boating safety. And maybe this is one instance where he should have listened to his own instruction. Um, so he didn't end up in a situation like this. So the picture was taken in 1971, maybe 72, well before the days of Photoshop, well before the days when a picture could be easily manipulated. Yet this picture was altered. Our boat did not really sink, and I remember seeing the event take place. We were in another boat and actually taking the picture that my dad was getting ready to do with his boss for a boating safety class. Um, trick photography actually enabled this to happen, but that really was my dad hanging on the buoy. Now, boating safety is really, is still very important today, and I want to talk about boating safety in the Bible. We have the two scripture passages, and they're very good examples of boating safety. But I want to point out some of the similarities and some of the differences. The stories are very relevant today. 2,000 years ago, they still apply to our lives every day today, and they teach us how to be prepared. So in Mark chapter 4, we have the story of Jesus in the boat. The disciples are with them, and it's a story that we've probably heard many times. But when I hear this story, I think back to my time on the boat. Jesus was asleep down below, and this was our boat, and down here are sleeping quarters. So I imagine Jesus down there asleep. Um, we had a little mini kitchen, a bunk area, and Jesus is down there. In Acts chapter 27, Paul is aboard the boat. And he too runs into some rough waters and the storms. And the circumstances are different, but nevertheless, there's considerable danger for both of them. So in the Mark story, Jesus is asleep. The disciples are up on the deck, and the waves are huge. They're crashing into the boat. I'm sure they're breaking over the bow, water just splashing in everybody's face, and, and frankly, filling the boat, ready for the boat to sink. And again, it's a story most of us have heard several times. We know how the, the story ends. But the disciples are scared. No, they're more than scared, they're terrified. They're fearing for their lives, they're in considerable danger and a, and a mass panic. So they go to Jesus, they wake him up, and they say, hey Jesus, protect us from the storm. But really what they said is, don't you care if we perish? That's some terror. Don't you care if we perish? And of course we know Jesus calmed the storm, Calmed the sea, and they all lived happily ever after, right? But let's look at this a little closer. How was Jesus asleep? The boat is rocking, waves are splashing everywhere. It certainly wouldn't be easy to sleep. Have you ever tried to sleep through a thunderstorm? 
the thunder booming, the lightning flashing, it's hard to go to sleep. They're in this massive storm and the boat is rocking. Everyone's getting seasick and Jesus is asleep. How can he be asleep in that? Not even a rock could sleep during a, a storm like that. Yet Jesus is asleep. It just doesn't make sense unless, unless Jesus wanted to be asleep. But why would Jesus want to be asleep at that moment? Maybe this is what we would call a teachable moment. Jesus wanted to be asleep. He wanted to see how the disciples would react. Imagine you're sitting there in the boat. you got the water splashing everywhere. The wind blowing so hard you have trouble keeping your balance. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Everything's going to be okay. I've got God's Son with me. We're human. We don't think that way. We panic, just like the disciples did. Most of us would say, hey, we've got God's son. Let's go wake him up. Maybe he can help us. And that's what the disciples did. He calmed the storm. He calmed the sea. And then he did what? He rebuked them. We saw the scripture passage. I think it was a little more than Jesus just saying, hey, don't you have faith? Jesus was pretty stern. He rebuked them. Why didn't he just calm the sea? After all, he could have done anything to prove his power, to prove his authority. He could have simply said, relax, I'm with you, everything will be fine. But he didn't. When the storm was over, the disciples realized he was protecting them. But what good would it have done if he would have just stopped everything? Would they have really learned the lesson? Who knows? God knows. I mean, obviously he was in control. He knows our thoughts and our fears. But he calmed the sea, and he used it as a teachable moment. So if this is the case, why did the storm even occur? Did God cause the storm? Did God allow the storm to happen? Think about the storms in your life. Not the weather fronts, but the storms, the events that lead us to a doubt, that put fear into us that sometimes even make us question our faith. Where is God when we are facing a storm? Do you feel like God is sleeping down below? Or better yet, do you feel like God jumped ship and he was the first one off? How do we react? Jesus calms the sea and then rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. He wanted to use this teachable moment to talk about faith so that they could learn from experience. As a parent, do we just fix every issue for our kids? No. We explain it to them in hopes that they learn from it, in hopes that they grow, in hopes that they don't make mistakes again. I believe God allowed the storm to happen. I believe God allows storms to happen to us. Not so he can show his power, but so that we can grow closer to Him, so that we can trust in Him. And the Bible also says, and I paraphrase here, that God will not allow any of us to receive any more than we can bear. I know a lot of us might be able to argue with that, but God's going to be there with us. We just need to turn to Him. But if God just calms the storms, do we really learn anything from it? Not likely. 
So this statement is why Jesus had to rebuke the disciples. It wasn't a question of if, he had to. He's saying, okay guys, I fixed it this time, but next time, trust me. And no, it's not that Jesus wants us to depend on ourselves, but he wants us to know that he's there with us always. Now let's look at Paul. On a missionary journey, Paul is traveling by boat, headed to Rome as God had promised him as part of this journey. Luke is with them, but also understand this boat is not just Paul and Luke. Also along is the captain, a man named Julius, and also along are hundreds of other people. Scripture says 276, and that's a pretty big boat. There were merchants on there, and there were prisoners on there as well. They all had a reason to be on that boat. In fact, this boat was undergoing the normal course of business. Paul and Luke were really the outsiders, hitching a ride because... They needed to get from point A to point B. Really, they were almost hitchhiking on the boat. But here was the problem with the boat. The time of year was not suitable for traveling by sea. In fact, most ships would not sail this time of year because it was just too dangerous. Trying to navigate the waters at that time of year was virtual suicide. Now, Paul knows the waters. He knows the climate. And he knows this is no time to continue on. Paul tells everyone to wait. Let's sit here through the winter. Let's see what happens. And in the spring, we can safely make our voyage. Of course, the merchants, they want to get their products in the stores. The boat owner knows it's not wise. It's not profitable for the boat just to sit over the winter. Greed was just as prevalent back in Paul's day as it is today. The ship owners decide to press on. They had to make a living, risking not only their profits, but more importantly, risking their lives as well. So as the weather gets worse, Scripture tells us hurricane force, and maybe I should have found a better map that shows it, but this is the bad area right through here. So the hurricane force winds arrive. Once again, similar to the story in Mark, the waves are huge, tossing the boat around back and forth battering the sails, waves crashing over the bow, and the storm got so bad, what did the crew start doing? They started dumping supplies. You know, things like food? Luke says it got so bad, they had been days without seeing any kind of light, moon, stars, nothing. And they had given up hope. They're caught in the storm. They had given up hope. Luke was not simply speaking for himself, he was speaking for everyone on the boat. Now Paul stands up and reminds them, you didn't listen to me earlier, and now we're in trouble because of it. Then he says, take courage, for the Holy Spirit visited me last night, and he offered me some advice. Paul says, not only will no one perish, but no one will even have a hair on their head lost. The ship will be destroyed, but all of us will be safe. So think about this now. Paul has made this claim. On what basis could Paul make the claim? The boat was not his. He was just basically hitchhiking. He had no credibility with the staff or with the crew. The ship owner, no credibility whatsoever. Yet here he is making these outrageous claims, standing up in front of everybody and saying, no lives will be lost. They had all given up hope. 
and he tells them to eat. He tells them to eat. And when everyone had eaten everything they wanted, there were even leftovers. Now, they hadn't eaten in 14 days. They had thrown the stuff overboard. Had not eaten in 14 days, yet they all had enough to eat, and there were leftovers. If I haven't eaten that long, guess what? I'm going to the buffet. And now at Paul's instruction with the Holy Spirit, they had all they wanted. We know how this story ends also through Scripture. As the boat gets near land, it gets stuck on a sandbar. Some of the men swim to shore. Some of the men grab pieces of the boat that's battered in the storm. They grab the wood and they float to shore. In all, not one person perished. As Paul had predicted, every single person arrived safely. So let's take a look at the risk here. Paul makes this claim that the Holy Spirit has come and said all will be okay. We will be able to continue our journey. I can continue my missionary journey to Rome. How can he be so sure? Or more importantly, how can he be so sure everyone on the boat will make it? Talk about an incredible leap of faith on, on Paul's part. So if this was all part of God's plan, why didn't he just do like in Mark and just calm the sea? Why did the storm have to continue? Maybe with a different audience, God knew he needed a different plan. He needed a different way to reach this group. What if Paul made the claim and the storm just stopped? People would have looked at Paul as some sort of God. Look, he has the power to stop the storm. And that's not at all what God wanted. The only way God could show his power was for Paul to be a part of the team and the events unfold exactly the way they did. What would have happened if one person had perished? It was a very bold statement by Paul. He had to be 100% positive that God, that the Holy Spirit was with him. Otherwise, his entire ministry would be shot. The disciples were running over to wake up Jesus, and Paul is standing and saying, everyone relax. Take courage. God is with us. All will be fine. Who had the greater risk here? Paul or the disciples? There's no doubt both storms were harsh. Both were brutal. In the Mark story, the victims, if, if that's the right word, were innocent. The storm was not their fault. In Acts, in the Paul, in the Paul story, the victims, the sailors, the ship captain, they knew better. But they went anyway. Yet in both cases, God was there to rescue. So it brings me back to a point a few minutes ago. We all encounter storms. Some that we have brought on ourselves through poor decision-making, through our actions. And sometimes we just happen to be caught in the midst through no fault of our own. Now, Paul had the advantage of having the Holy Spirit with him. But you know what? The advantage of having Jesus in the boat, that's a pretty good advantage too. So when we accept Jesus into our lives, what happens? He comes willingly. He's there to protect us. He's there to comfort us and watch over us. We learned as young children that Jesus comes to live in our hearts. Well, if Jesus lives in our hearts, shouldn't he be in the boat with us every day through these storms that, that we seem to encounter? 
Isn't the Holy Spirit there with us also? Jesus rebuked the disciples for lack of faith, yet he was with them every day. The people on the boat with Paul had no choice but to have faith. They had nothing to lose. They had already given up hope anyway. So where are you in your faith journey? Are you ready to be angry at God for the storms that can make us stronger? Are you willing to be thankful to God that He carried you through these storms and back to calm waters? Think of the prisoners on the boat in Acts. The prisoners. They're about to die in this storm through no fault of their own. They're getting ready to die because of the actions of others. Are you angry at God for the actions of others that somehow put you in a bind? Or are you praising and worshiping God for getting you back to calm sea and dry ground? So one final point about Paul's ship. Some of the sailors, and read the, the rest of Acts because it's in there. It wasn't in what we read today. But some of the sailors and crew wanted to jump ship early to save themselves. God gave Paul the wisdom to know their plan and said, Paul, tell them not to jump. If they want to save their lives, they've got to stay with the ship. The same can be true of our relationship to God. If we want to, stay, if we want to save our lives, we have to stay with the ship, stay with God. So we have two different stories from Scripture, yet both force us to trust fully in God. Not our own abilities, not our own plans, but in His. We all face different storms and circumstances. God proves in these two examples that He can handle the differences and still achieve the desired outcome. We can't do it on our own, but only with God's help and divine plan. So I return to boating safety. My father always taught us children how important boating safety was and still is. He wanted to give us protection from the storms. And there we are wearing our life jackets. It was before my younger brother came along. But he also knew sometimes we needed help. And he was always there to help as well. Just like our Heavenly Father. He wants to teach all of us about boating safety too. And you see, we don't have to be in a boat to be caught in a storm of life. But when we are in the storm... He wants us fully to depend on Him. Not out of desperation, but out of faith. Everyday faith that's built into our lives. Paul reminds us to pray without ceasing. And what does that really mean? It means to have God with you at all times. And I know we can have constant communication with God. And when we do, we can go back to calm sea. Now, why my sister's not wearing a life jacket, that's another story. <laughs> Put on your life jacket, wear it at all times. And next time you're in the boat, or next time you're in the storm, remember your Father, God, the Heavenly Father, and His boating safety course. Praise be to God. Amen.